welcome everyone to the Fanalytics Podcast. Mike Lewis, Doug Battle, uh, brought to you by Emory University Marketing Analytics Center. Doug, you sent me a video this week that got me thinking. <laughs> I know and, where you're going. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure you do because my thoughts changed fairly rapidly. So the the big the big event on the horizon is the biggest event of American television every year. I mean, nothing else even comes close anymore. Is the Super Bowl? I thought you were going to say Taylor Swift's album coming out. Oh, it's the same thing. It's all the same thing at this point. Uh, we're we're living through the convergence of popular popular culture. So, Doug, you sent me a video of a Taylor Swift themed Super Bowl party, and just, you know, bear with me. You, you can chime in, but just bear with me. Let me get this out because I, I w- it, it took me on a roller coaster. So, I'm, I'm watching this, and it's like I, I think there's something in me that has to react. Negatively, but as I'm watching, I'm like, okay, so they're they're or, they're decorating the house. They're putting, you know, they got Taylor Swift themed kind of giant friendship beads on the as a display. They're organizing the food, and when they started organizing the food, then I started thinking, wait, there might be something to this. Okay, so that's one thought. It's like, well, wait, I kind of want to go to this Super Bowl party. They're decorating, they're cleaning. The food's going to be good. Doug, there might be cupcakes there. I want cupcakes. There's going to be the best spreads this year at Super Bowl parties. The best spreads. And and so I start to turn around. And and then I start to think, yeah, I spend a lot of time in the realm of fandom. And part of it is thinking about the difference between different types of fans, demographic groups. Is female fandom different than male fandom? You know, there's obviously a lot of overlap. But there there are some differences. And that made me think, well... Is it fair for Swift fans to show up to the Super Bowl and make that their own? How about if the Bills Mafia started showing up to Taylor Swift events and jumping through tables in the parking lot? I want to see that. (laughs) Okay. And that's where I ended up. It's like, so as I started going on the path, I was like, wait, this makes everything better. I want the Buffalo Bill. I want the Bills Mafia to show up to the Swift concert and I want the Swift fans to show up to the Super Bowl party. I think everyone gains value. I think so. And I think Bill's fans could use some friendship bracelets <laughs> as well. So just kind of, you know, mix and match the, the different fandoms. But I mean, Taylor managed to turn an event this week, the big event, the weekend before the Super Bowl was the Grammys, mm-hmm. not nearly as big of an event in, in terms of scale of viewership, but I'm sure the numbers were up this year simply with Taylor's attendance. Of course, she's always there. But if I think if people had known that she was going to make an announcement at the Grammys, that there would have been Super Bowl level viewership. Well, is there? I mean, she doesn't hint that announcement on her social channels. No, this was completely okay. Nobody saw it coming, and and I, the second it happened, I knew that th- the, all the talk of the Grammys, the story of the Grammys, was going to be. Taylor Swift, who wasn't performing, wasn't on the top of my mind going into the Grammys. I was thinking of some other artists that thought it might be their big year. And as she does with everything she attends, managed to make it. And I'm not saying this in a negative way, by the way, managed to turn everything into a promotional campaign for her next thing. And Taylor Swift is masterful even like when she's not on camera or when she's not performing someone else is performing notice how they always pan to her but she's always dancing she's always like she knows how to find the cameras i saw her kind of eye it from like 
way back a couple times last night. And I don't know if you caught this, Mike, but when she won her first award, first thing she talks about is the fans. Fandom. 101 by Taylor Swift, PhD. Okay, well, Doug, here's a question. Does Taylor show up to that unless she's winning? That's a good question. You know, I, I was just talking to someone about this. I mean, is the whole thing potentially planned, right? That she she knows what she's going to... Uh, look, I, you can almost imagine the, the negotiations, right? Because if Taylor shows up, are the ratings 30% higher? So they need her. Is there again? This this sounds like black box, you know, black helicopter stuff, right? But it also sounds completely logical to me in this in this realm. And so, does Taylor have a package ready of thanking the fans, fandom one hundred and one, and and look, I, I've got a PhD, so she did she deserves a degree degree higher because obviously she's got a much better insight into popular culture than I'm ever going to have, right? But, and. And, you know, the thing that made me curious was when they started the show and they said, tonight could be the night that Taylor Swift makes history because if she wins album of the year, she'll be the first artist to win it however many times she's won it. So they started, they led with that going into the night. And and Trevor Noah in his speech pointed out that Taylor Swift was in attendance, like her being there. I think SZA, when she accepted an award, said, hey, Taylor, in the middle of her acceptance speech, like she was starstruck and as a grammy winning recording artist that taylor swift was there in the audience and so it felt all about taylor from the beginning but them leading with is tonight the night that taylor swift makes grammy history at that point i was like oh man if she wins it it's gonna feel like this was all scripted because that seems to be exactly what they want i did not watch the grammys and and look it's probably you know, what percentage of the country watches the Grammys? Probably it's about 1%. Well, I, there might be people who watch like 30 minutes of it. That is a long show. But, but you know, we're talking about a, maybe 1% or 2% of the population is actually watching the show. And then you're mm-hmm. seeing highlights, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, in, I'm with the masses that I didn't watch it. I assume that Travis was not sitting next to her at the Grammys. At the table. No, she, she had her producer who won, he actually won producer of the year. Surprise, surprise. So, yeah, she was with the producer and at a table with some other folks. Lana Del Rey. Why isn't that a scandal that he's not supportive of her career, but she shows up for him? I think it is a scandal, Mike. I think we need to turn. I'm ready for the villain arc for Travis Kelsey. It's been too, like, there hasn't been any twists and turns in this story. It's just, oh, they're in love. This is great. They're in love. We need some some conflict for the story, for the fans. A hundred percent agreement. I mean, that's if, if professional wrestling taught us anything, you know, we need that. We need that heel turn. Yeah. We need and someone it, to do someone to something. And, you know, the, the run up is great. But when they turn on each other, oh, it's even better. Yeah. And Taylor, when she went up there and was like, I'm going to make an announcement. And nobody knew where she was going with it. We're like, is she, you know, what if she announces Travis Kelsey's child? You know, what if she announces that they got engaged? Anything she did was going to work. If she had lost album of the year, the story would have been that she was snubbed when Jay-Z went up and accepted his award, which was hilarious, by the way. And I hope we can talk about later because I have some thoughts on Dr. Dre having an impact award and Jay-Z being the winner. When he went up, he essentially pointed out the fact that the Grammys may have a bias against artists like Beyonce, his wife, which 
Beyonce and Taylor have gone head to head quite a few times, album of the year type categories. And so that kind of became about Taylor. Like, is he saying that, you know, it's rigged in Taylor's favor? If everything, no matter what happens, no matter what outcome, she's going to spin it. Her team's going to spin it. And honestly, at, at this point, it's kind of everything's working for her. I think she can just sit back and let what happens happen. And, and it, it turns into a story that's favorable for her no matter what. Well, Doug, let me say this. I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, one of, the, one of the themes of the modern world is the marketers wreck everything. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like that and we'll start talking about the Super Bowl here in a second, that the Grammys are just like the Super Bowl and that they now come preloaded with a bunch of narratives. And yeah. everyone then sort of works through those narratives of there's Taylor Swift sort of check. Oh, Taylor's got an announcement check. Okay. Now we've got some social justice themes and, and this kind of background <laughs> fighting check. And, and again, it, it's, I mean, I, saying the marketers ruin everything. It is kind of this notion of these, these narratives are marketing narratives, right? And, and so it, it makes everything, Look, we're going to go into the Super Bowl, right? What are the big narratives for the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time. Wait, no, no, no. He hasn't proved that yet. But I'm ready with you that he has the most talent of any quarterback. We have to he has to prove it for a few more years. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. It's like there's sort of a narrative there, but they're not it's not totally fleshed out. But Doug, going into the Super Bowl, Travis and Taylor are probably narrative. They, that might be the biggest narrative going into the game, maybe bigger than Patrick Mahomes on this quest to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that Taylor's certainly happy about that. I think the Kelsey, the whole Kelsey family has benefited from this whole thing to this point. So I don't think they're mad about it. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he's on just about every other commercial when you're watching any football game or any broadcast for that matter, maybe even more so than Patrick Mahomes. And so, you know, I don't think Patrick Mahomes probably cares that much. I'm sure his wife does. She seems to ha- have an eye for the camera and, and desire to be in the in the center of everything. And so, you know, she's taken a backseat this year. But Kelsey, Taylor, I mean, but Taylor, she pushes everyone off the off the page, right? I mean, the, there, there's not a lot of coverage of the Chiefs. No, or- yeah, and it's it's like ev- for whatever reason, her superstardom is as such that she can be in a room full of A-list celebrities, and they all feel like C-list celebrities now. I mean, you watched her entourage go to that game in New York, and she's with all these like <laughs> Oscar-winning actors, and it's like, oh yeah, that guy's one of Taylor Swift's well, friends. Because yeah. what was it? It was like, yeah, the Green D- Deadpool's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like not a big deal. And, and again, like Mahomes feels like not a big star with with her in the building, which is weird. Last night, like I said, SZA accepting an award that Taylor Swift didn't win, okay, but, time but out, then I'm out. What is this person's name and how do you spell it? S Z A SZA. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's our weekly educational bit for Mike. <laughs> Just catching him up on. Okay. For everyone, for all the non Gen Z's. Yeah. SZA. Okay. SZA. Yeah. So she's got that level of superstardom, which obviously you don't see very often. I don't know if it's, We've seen it to this level before, like maybe Michael Jackson or something, Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't, Madonna, it's hard to, 
I mean, it's, it's, I think it's hard to compare. I think the thing that I'll, I'll give you sort of the, the, the more seasoned veterans perspective on this. I think Taylor seems bigger because there's so much more fragmentation. There's so much, you know, everything has kind of gotten smaller. So Taylor as this, you know, anything that now captures half the, a lot of things used to capture the attention of half the country. Now yeah. it's just the Super Bowl and Taylor. So maybe she's as, the same level as Michael Jackson or Madonna at their peak. Right. But, but second place is so far, so far behind her. Yeah. And to that point, I was thinking about this. I was watching that video. This girl's getting ready for their Super Bowl party a week in advance on TikTok. And thinking as much as it feels like, oh, she runs the world. Everyone is following Taylor Swift's every move. It seems like it's one demographic where it's everyone and and maybe not that much beyond that. So to your point, maybe not as much of a universal appeal. It's just relative to everything else nowadays. It feels like it. Okay. I'm not going to go down that path. Not today, Doug, because it's Super Bowl week, so it should be a happy week. It's kind of, it's kind of market. It, it's sports marketing Christmas. I will tell you this though, and, and this is related. Look, I think going into the Super Bowl, the narratives are always out there. It's always a set of something. Like I said, I think Taylor and Travis is the top narrative, followed by Patrick Mahomes. I think that's sad in a way probably yeah. not great for the nfl long term to have this this circus around but what i wanted to get to was there's betting odds on a lot of things there's betting odds on <clears throat> especially a lot of betting odds related to travis kelsey and there are some related to taylor swift there's one line on uh whether or not kelsey's going to propose to taylor so the infer what, what are the odds there the inferred odds, so it's plus 1060. So you've got to, you know, bet. Well, so if you bet $100, you can win $1,060, right? Which ends up being an implied odds of that Travis is going to propose of 8.62%. It's pretty high. Pretty high <laughs> on any given day to predict somebody uh, is going to propose. I will say, like, part of Taylor's thing is that. She has a way of like pushing through the noise with something that no one saw coming in an event that is very predictable. You talked last about how last night's Grammys, it's almost scripted. Like it feels like, oh, they're going to talk about this. They're going to talk about that. There's going to be a little social justice thing. There's going to be this and that. And then the night's going to end. They'll talk about the people who died this year, blah, blah, blah. Like it feels very predictable. And then in the middle of that, you have something and there was a moment where no one knew what was going to happen. And that's not the first time we've seen that. And I'm going back even to Kanye West taking the microphone from Taylor Swift when she was much younger. And again, probably worked out in her favor long term, even though it felt like she was a victim at the time. But there's always something unpredictable in these big moments that happens that makes her the headline, regardless of how what else happens that night. She could have won zero Grammys last night and still would have stolen the show. And so with the Super Bowl coming up, I am. There is part of me that's curious. Is like I'll almost be surprised if like the game goes how I think it's going to go. Chiefs win. Everything goes as predicted. Travis and Taylor hug and kiss after the game, and that's that. Like it, it's that would feel anticlimactic given her history and, and given her well, magic with unpredictable hold moments. Hold on. There's another. Where is it here? I can't find it, but there's another uh, 
prop bet related to Travis and um, Taylor. Sorry. Right. right. I forget that name. Tyler Swift. Yes. Yeah. Tyler Swift (laughs) is that whether or not he will mention her if the chiefs win, whether or not he will mention her or thank her when talking to, you know, when the, when the reporters come up to him. So first off, can we just say when the chiefs win at this point? Cause I, I just, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'd love to be wrong by the way. It just feels inevitable. Okay. Why does it feel inevitable, right? Because the 49ers get so much less attention in all this? I don't I partially because of that, but partially, honestly, from a football standpoint, I feel like the team with the better defense and the better quarterback is the Kansas City Chiefs. And so yeah, I don't you know, I, I could see the Niners offense struggling. I've seen Brock Purdy struggle against elite defenses before. It doesn't seem like there's any defense elite enough to really shut down Mahomes. Uh, and the only thing that's gotten in the way of the Chiefs this year has been the Chiefs receivers, particularly Kadarius Tony, who's been out of the mix these playoffs. I think that's been part of their key to success. You talk about that. I mean, some of yeah. the you know that feud going live on social media with Andy right. Reid basically calling him out completely. That's been one of the most interesting sort of backstories of all this. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't followed the the details completely, but it does sound like he has completely worn out his welcome. And for a, a head coach like Andy Reid to sort of come out and blast him, that's fairly unprecedented. Yeah, Tony's got a track record of that. As a Giants fan, I saw it in New York. I remember in the even in the combine, there was this one highlight and people were talking about like Darius Tony's gonna go crazy in the NFL. Look at his route running. And in the video, he, he runs a great route and then drops a wide open pass at the end with no defender. And that's really been the story of his NFL career. A lot of potential and a lot of dropped opportunities. And then off the field, Diva. He he had injury issues in New York where he was sitting out games, even though he apparently was healthy. The Giants trade him for practically nothing to the Chiefs after drafting him with a first-round pick. So they were heavily invested in him, called it a sunk cost, sent him to the Chiefs, and then he goes, wins the Super Bowl next year or the you know last year, I guess. And as a Giants fan, you felt like, man, maybe we fumbled the bag. But seeing how it played out this year, it seems like okay, the Giants knew what they were doing. Anytime a anytime a first-round pick gets traded for next to nothing while he's still in his first contract, a lot of red flags. Okay, back to the back to the Super Bowl. So, like I said, Mahomes is the big Mahomes is the big sports story. And as we talk through this, I do think your Taylor Taylor and Travis story is the the headliner. Mahomes is sadly the supporting act. Then we get into you know Brock Purdy. Well, I mean, just taking a step back from that, you know, I'm going to be very interested to see where the number comes out in terms of the viewership of the Super Bowl. Because if Taylor has been able to bring, let's say, 10 million or 15 million additional viewers to the to the Super Bowl, and now, you you know, you think this through, now the Swifties are getting involved in the Super Bowl parties. I suspect we see an all-time high Super Bowl viewership coming through. And and look, this is Kansas City, a relatively small market, San Francisco, a West Coast team. So mm. this is not really geared for this is not, you know, Dallas, Dallas, New York yeah. Jets, yeah. where it's really geared for an eye popping, an eye popping number. So 
it, it does put the NFL in a little bit of a strange position, right? The, the, the ads are going for six and a half to seven million dollars this time. And I have to think, and again, you know, these, these numbers go up every year as, you know, finding live audiences gets more and more difficult. But that Taylor showing up has got to tremendously support go, moving to being able to move up to $7 million per 30 second slot. So, I mean, I have to ask you, what is the, you know, what is the storyline for San Francisco seems like a huge afterthought in all of this. Like I said, there's this Brock Purdy story and you show Brock's parents. They're always there. You got, you know, CMC who couldn't afford a suite until somehow he could afford a suite. I mean, that's a little bit of a story, but I don't see anything in this, you know, I, I don't see any really kind of eye popping narratives. Look, you know where I come in on these things. I kind of want the most interesting output out, outcome. So I want, I want Kelsey to propose at halftime on the way, on the way to the locker room. And then I want the 49ers to win and Brock Purdy <laughs> to get the MVP. Right. That would be fantastic. It reminds me when the Philadelphia Eagles made it to the Super Bowl without their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady, there was this level of inevitability of the Patriots. All the storylines were about the Patriots. Tom getting another ring. You know, he's the greatest of all time, this and that. Meanwhile, the, the Eagles are just chipping away at practice and ended up playing the game of their lives, winning that Super Bowl. I know I mentioned earlier I'm a Giants fan. The Giants had a, a season where the Patriots were undefeated, and Eli Manning was uh, the butt of a lot of jokes in the NFL at that point. Hadn't really proven himself yet. And if the storylines were about, you know, what's this mean for a team to go undefeated in the NFL, assuming they win this game, and they did not. And so it wouldn't be unprecedented to have an outcome that – seems to buck against all the storylines we're hearing right now. And I'm, I think that football fans that are not fans of either of these teams, I think that's what they're pulling for. I think that the football, the NFL community is largely fatigued from not just Taylor Swift, but the Chiefs, yes. right? Much like with the Patriots it's at one point. Right. And so there comes a point where you want to see the other team and then this other stuff on top of it that distracts from football – where it almost becomes like football fans against not football fans and Chiefs fans. And so I think a lot of people are rooting for the Niners. I think they have an underdog story. I think obviously Brock Purdy has been kind of an underdog story player that a lot of people have doubted for a long time, still do. And I think that as much as people want to talk about the 49ers, like they're these, you know, kind of like a knockoff version of the Chiefs, they probably have the most talented roster in the NFL, top to bottom, a better roster than the Chiefs do. It's just purely the star power at quarterback that changes the perception, as well as the fact that the 49ers in my lifetime, so we're talking, you know, post Steve Young, all that, post Jerry Rice, and, and of course, well, post like Joe Montana, they've been the bridesmaid so many times that whether it's NFC Championship games or Super Bowls, that it starts to feel... I'm not saying they're the Washington Generals where they always lose, but they feel like the Washington Generals in that from a storytelling perspective of like, okay, the Globetrotters, a.k.a. the Chiefs, are these good guys who the country is going to kind of talk about, and then there's this other team for them to play against because they've got to have someone to play against. That's almost... 
like when you talk about storylines for the 49ers, that's almost the extent of it. There's not a lot beyond that. There's not a lot of deep dives into their roster and to the stories of these individual players. Certainly not hearing about the dating lives of the, the George Kittle or Christian McCaffrey or, or Brock Purdy for that matter. And so, again, kind of a Washington Generals feel, but it wouldn't be unprecedented in the Super Bowl to see the unpredictable happen and to see an upset win. I think those are three really interesting names you mentioned. Yeah. Because one of the things, one of the reasons why I think there is almost this 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 backlash, right? And look, and and the Taylor and Travis thing is an enormous part of this backlash, right? It's like everyone loves the glamour, except everyone also hates the glamour. (laughs) <laughs> right, the 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 all pro NFL athlete dating the billionaire pop star with all the Grammys, it's kind of fun, but it's also kind of I don't know. It it doesn't sit well with a lot of you know. In some ways, they got too much. But when, you know, when you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, and George Kittle, the the thing that popped into my head was, I can't turn on the TV for twenty minutes without seeing Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey on like three or four ads. They're 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 almost to the point of like the 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 one eight seven seven cars for kids, right? It's like they're they're relentlessly on on the TV. Why why is there no ads? Why are there no ads working with those three guys from the 49ers? Yeah, they you'll seem see. like they're perfect stories for that. McCaffrey's in a couple, one or two, but I mean, you certainly don't see like Chase Young, George Kittle. Like, again, there's been times in the last couple of years where I've felt like I don't really think that Kelsey is the best tight end in the league right now, but the, the other players of that caliber, for whatever reason, or I think we know the reason, haven't had the star power, a couple of reasons really, the Super Bowls and, and Taylor Swift. And so, yeah, I mean, Man, that brings us to another subject, which is Super Bowl commercials. I think that every commercial is already on the internet. I try not to watch them. I try to avoid them. I feel like there's teasers now. The new thing is like during the Grammys, they show teasers for the Super Bowl commercials. Look, I I teach a class in sports marketing at Emory. And so as little as I want to watch advertising... You know, I feel the need this week to do a little bit of prep work. So I get to go through the unique, again, this this theme, maybe the theme for this week is marketers ruin everything. So I go onto YouTube to look for the Super Bowl ads, right? And then YouTube makes me watch a Liberty Mutual ad, right? Before watching the ad, yeah. Then I can watch a Hellman's ad that's going to air at the Super Bowl, right? It's... I, I, I did a screenshot of the numbers. I think like the Hellman's ad already has maybe 600,000 views. So yeah, the, the bizarre, this is one of the more bizarre facets of all of this is that you, you, you buy this advertising on the Super Bowl, you know, again, cause you want to reach a hundred million people, but then you also get the exposures of suddenly, you know, every news outlet, ABC, CBS, CNN has to do an article talking about the Super Bowl ads so you get a half million or a million views of your ad, people seeking it out. And then inevitably, the day after the Super Bowl, right, there'll be, you know, for, for a professor like me, there, it doesn't happen anymore. I said no too many times of an MBA marketing club that wants to do a Super Bowl ad review. And you see, again, CNN, Forbes, et cetera, et cetera, doing this. And, and we'll probably get into it some next week. 
in terms of talking about the ads that yeah. work or don't work. Right. Uh, the one the one that struck me from last year because it's it's such a beautiful formula where where they took Caddyshack. So they take this retro intellectual property, right? And then you put sort of an old an older, usually white male actor in it, right? The who is the guy in the Caddyshack? What Tony Romo's in it. You've got a a young, you know. I think they had Serena Williams in there, mm-hmm. and it was the guy in like Billions or something. I don't know. I, you know, it, it, but it doesn't matter because it's always this kind of formulaic thing of, hey, Doug. So I, I got a great idea for an ad. We're going to do a Lord of the Rings takeoff as the backdrop for the ad. <laughs> I'm going to get Tom Cruise and Simone Biles. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we should get Travis Kelsey in there too. Yeah. No, I'm going with the uh, Look, Doug, you know that if I'm hiring a Kelsey, I'm going with the other one. Oh, yeah. Me too. I think he's a man of the people. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll make a prediction on the ads though. I'm going to say that this year, the story is going to be that the ads were not as good as they normally are because that is the story every year, which begs the question, <laughs> what years are we comparing them to? <laughs> I, I think I think we're comparing them to when Budweiser had guys going, "What's up?" Right? <laughs> I think we're all comparing it to. But, I mean, even in those years, like the best years, there's like one or two memorable ads. But I think largely there's a lot of hype. Everyone will kind of shush each other when the ads when the, when it cuts to commercial, <laughs> and it's usually a le- there might be one that gets an authentic laugh and a little bit of forced laughter from the audience. Mm-hmm. In yeah. previous years, there just hasn't been. I can't remember a year where people walked away and said, "Wow, the ads were great this year." Every year, it's like you know, it just wasn't as good as. I thought it'd be. This wasn't as good as it normally is. I mean, if you just said, you know, what do you really, what really sticks with you long term, right? Because again, you do the Caddyshack thing with Tony Romo and Serena Williams. You know, you get a little. There's so many of those. Though. You get someone paying attention for a second of kind of like, well, look who's there, look who's there. But it's the rare one of, hey, this little kid is starting the car using the force, right? It's these very few ad- the Volkswagen ad, that- yeah that I think stick with people for a, a long time that, that really kind of resonate. And it, it's look, an interesting aside on all this is it's the little kid in the Darth Vader mask stopping the car that resonates with people or the Budweiser guys saying something stupid, like what's up <laughs> what? rather than, Hey, I got Will Ferrell and Madonna for this ad. And they're going to be on a, on the, they're going to be reenacting an episode from the love boat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that like getting the most star studded, I feel like it's kind of overdone sometimes where they probably spend as much money as they possibly can as if that's going to yield more results. And like you said, all it takes is a kid using the force in a Darth Vader mask or maybe even GoDaddy.com where they tease the NASCAR driver, Danica Patrick, you know, and, and nobody really knows what the product is, but they remember the ad. Doritos had some good ones, a lot of them involving, like I remember, don't touch my mama, don't touch my Doritos, another kid-oriented one. I think last year there was a theme of dogs. Like, I think that dogs are universally loved in America. And so every other advertising agency was like, this is a foolproof plan. You're going to have a golden retriever. We're going to show the world through their eyes or how they grow up alongside some kid or something. And then at the end, we'll tie it to the brand in some way. Well, then Doug, uh, maybe the maybe the thing to really look for. And I did not I did not seek out these ads. It'll be interesting to see what Bud Light does. Right. They, I, I, I'll say this. They They've are, done a 180. 
they've got to go full, you know, they got to go full circle and look, they've already done it with Peyton Manning and right with the UFC, but they got to go full out patriotic, wholesome. They will. I think America. they will. Of course. I think, yeah. I think that they'll continue to reverse what they did. I don't know, a year or two ago. So it reverse course. And what's always been curious to me about that is, you know, are they offending a different demographic, whatever demographic they were trying to appeal to there? Have they lost that customer base or did they keep those people? And now are they getting the, the typical football fans back? I, you know what? I mean, and again, that's what's fascinating about it. It's like, do those, do those football fans, you know, you wade into the deep end of politics and this kind of social issues how many years do the football fans hold a grudge, right? I mean, because like I see that I see that Peyton Manning ad, yeah. And look, love Peyton Manning. Let's talk about the Mannings in a second. Yeah, yeah, love Peyton Manning. But when I see that ad, all I can think is, oh, Bud Light's trying to make amends. There, yeah, if, <laughs> yeah. I think everyone thinks that right now. But I think that over time, they're just going to have enough of that that it becomes their brand again, and and you you forget it'll feel like new Coke, you know, where it's like, oh yeah, remember that time they tried something different? I do remember new Coke. I don't think, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I feel like the story yeah. will be like that. Remember when Bud Light like tried to be woke or you know whatever people say about him? You know that was weird. That was different. But good thing they're still Bud Light. You know, good thing Coke is Coke again. Yeah. Okay. So the Mannings. Yes. Which, by the way, Mike, I've I've been told several times that my mannerisms resemble Eli in some way, which I take as a compliment. Because well, Doug, I don't I don't even know. I mean, look, I love love the Mannings. I don't know which one of those that you want to be connected to. You know, which is the more glamorous Manning brother. Well, Peyton's certainly the more glamorous, but you got to own it when you're Eli and Eli owns it so well. And I'm, you know, I'm a youngest sibling, a Giants fan. I appreciate Eli Manning. He has, you know, he's started a little bit of a rap career this week. Yeah. Okay. And so do you know, how, do, you, do you know the lyrics that he dropped or he dropped a bar, right? Is what they, yeah, hey, this is what the kids say. Okay. okay. I'm so proud of yourself saying that. <laughs> so I'm just flipping around. I'm flipping around the dial, the, the the old school cable TV over the weekend. And I sent you a text, which was because it looked like this Orlando stadium, the, the camping world stadium looked like it was at least 80% full. And so has the NFL come up with a formula for this flag football event and, and Doug, I thought this was brutal. I mean, with the, I, I was actually worried about the Mannings. I'm like, you know, I have they re, are they reaching a level of overexposure between the Manning cast and the Bud Light commercials to now they're they're coaching this kind of painful flag football event. It's field but, day. It's but field like day. I said, it looked yeah. like, I mean, it looked like there were 50,000 people in attendance from the from the shots I could see. Yeah, it looks pretty full. And, you know, ESPN tapping into that sibling rivalry between Peyton and Eli, which we've seen over the years in This Is Sports Center commercials. And, of course, on the Manning cast with Eli making jokes about Peyton's forehead and all that. Of course, last year, Eli's team won this event. And now... Doug, let me just, not to interrupt you, I laugh yeah. every time I see that that Hawaiian rolls thing. Peyton makes it a perfectly a perfect looking... Hawaiian slider and Eden comes 
Eli comes in and says, tastes great too. <laughs> Laugh every time for some reason. <laughs> so, and Eli's had like, he's had the Coors Light commercials. So we got him and Coors Light. Peyton's doing Bud Light. Like they, they've got the marketing thing down. But uh, yeah, so ESPN running with the storyline of sibling rivalry, who's going to win. It feels silly because we're used to real sports where people are really competitive and really care about it, like their life's depending on it. But at the same time, it has a little bit of that reality TV feel, you know, Dancing with the Stars or The Bachelor, like that kind of like, you know, this isn't real, but they still rope you in. And once you've watched some of it, you're like, well, now I got to see how this turns out. And that's how I felt watching the Mannings yesterday where, you know, as an Eli Manning guy, I kind of found myself rooting for the NFC and watching their little competitions and it's field it's field day for the nfl it's field day it's fun i have some ideas for what they could do differently but largely it's been an improvement and something that's driven some some fan engagement for the nfl so you're talking about the skills competition more than the flag football game well it's all it's all one thing because they have a point total system and and they're going back and forth between the two i didn't even realize that i I just saw the i saw some of the footage of the quarterbacks trying to you know throw it downfield into the bucket so to give you an idea the nfc got outscored by like five touchdowns in the game and they won because because they won all the skills events the field day events if you will okay i'm not going to i'm not going to say anything positive about it (laughs) i I think you know in this in this run-up to the super bowl everyone feels like okay so we got to have some programming We'll do this skills competition because I, I think all this skills competition go, goes back to God. People loved Larry Bird hitting three pointers and Michael Jordan and Dominique the dunk Wilkins contest winning the dunk contest. I found it. I, I find this stuff kind of crazy to watch. Look, Doug, I'll, I'm a sucker for this stuff. You tell me the combines on, and I can watch these guys run forties. And we can count, you know, bench press totals with 225 on the bar. I'm all in that. But the Pro Bowl is, and look, I I get it, right? It's like we got this extra week. We're trying to develop some stars, some some brand equity. You and I are going to part ways on this one. I'm glad that you liked it. I'm I'm glad that there's some positive coming out of it. I kind of hated it. I, how do you think it compares to, say, the NBA in-season tournament? <laughs> I thought you were going Ooh. to the NBA All-Star game, which I hated. No, no, no. no. <laughs> right. Team in-season. LeBron versus Team. No, no, no. <laughs> no, they need to change that. They need to make it Team World versus Team USA and actually compete. But that's... Okay. And one other side point, and then we'll go back to... The NHL also had their All-Star event with skills competition. Which no one knew about. Which no one knew about until I started to see some of the highlights watching, you know, watching ESPN today. I thought their skills competition, the stuff on skates, was really kind of cool. I look, I'll, I'll sort of stake out some territory. Hockey and baseball need to figure it out. Those have become sort of undervalued sports assets. They have, you know, the visuals of both of those are very different. But they deserve more prominence. And so I, th- I think this is part of why I don't like the Pro Bowl. The NFL doesn't need to suck up all the oxygen. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, right? So they, the NFL has essentially allied with Taylor, with Taylor Swift. That's it. Yeah, those Ball are the only two Taylor. things happening. The only two things. My, 
my one desire for all these things is I always want to see these guys do something other than their sport. Like I mentioned this with the NBA last year. I hate to interrupt you on this one too. You're too young for this. Are you aware of the superstars competition that ABC used to do? No. You need to look this up because in the 1970s, ABC and they would have, you know, like Howard Cosell and their A-team announcers, they would take all-stars from the different leagues out to Hawaii. There was an <laughs> obstacle course. These guys would uh, ride bikes against each other. There'd be a swimming competition between, you know, Leon Spinks and Joe Namath. <laughs> See, that's that's more in line with what I'm saying. I guess, like, to me, I already know, I watch these guys, like, with the NBA. You watch them play basketball all year round. Yeah. So then you get to the NBA, like, fun part of the like season where they're just playing around and you're like, well, let's see who can dribble down the court fastest and pass it through a hoop and then make a layup. Like that's, it's like, okay, we've already seen them do that. Yeah. I want to see them like, I want to see them play football, put them in full pads. I always talk about, Oh, can you, you know, you hear people say, can you imagine how good this, I want to see Jokic at quarterback. He's got a cannon. He throws that full court pass. I want to see LeBron at tight end. I want to see Anthony Edwards, you know, moss somebody. I want to see what these guys would have been like and, and vice versa. I want to see Joe Burrow hooping it up, you know, at the NFL. Like I, let's get a rap, you know, a rap battle with Damian Lillard and Shaquille O'Neal. You know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff that's interesting where it's like, you could kind of show other sides of these players or show like, wow, this guy's such an athlete. He's so good at basketball. You never think, but he could easily be a pro bowl wide receiver. Okay, Doug, here's an idea for you. Trademark this. Kickball. Kickball. <laughs> you get these guys playing kickball. They would kick it so far. They would kick the ball would go like four hundred yards. You can say that. And some of them might kick it that far, but I suspect you would also see some tremendously awkward. You would also see like Jason Kelsey like swing and miss on a yeah. kickball and like fall on his butt. Yeah. Or Luka Doncic or someone like that. Yeah. I I I really like Give me karaoke. Give me karaoke with the with the NFL. Because like there's got like Jordan Davis dude can sing, you know? That was yeah. that was fun. Karaoke. <laughs> like let's well, go. I mean the, the the thing is, I think you're on to something that, that would be a lot of fun. You know, maybe the question is it, it's almost like you would be building epic content for social media, like 30 second clips at a time. Well, that's kind of what they're trying to do with the Pro Bowl, I feel like. And it's like they get a little – but like the the best catch competition, I always thought that would be really cool to like have a dunk contest parallel. It's kind of lame when I've watched it. And they have Puka Nakua, you know, on a – I guess on a wakeboard catching a football and then going into the water. And then Joku from the Browns like doing a front flip and catching a ball as he goes into a lake. Like – well, I don't know. That doesn't do it for me. That's how about this is an answer. There's too much money. This stuff cannot work at this point because <laughs> there's there's too much money involved. That look, Le- LeBron is LeBron is I think slated to make fifty million dollars next year. The top NFL quarterbacks all make fifty to sixty million dollars a year. Otani makes seven hundred million over ten years. Right. <sighs> Suddenly. You're not going to get on an airplane. One of the things that they used to do, ABC Sports, the, 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 the superstars were an individual competition. They also had a team competition. So they would take the Major League Baseball World Series champions and the NFL Super Bowl champions and have a team competition. There we go. 
And, and again, maybe maybe I'm making this up. This is like a fever dream. Like you had a dream about <laughs> this. But I just I remember like the Major League Baseball World Series champions in a tug of war against the NFL champions, right? I think it's kind of interesting. It's incredibly interesting. Well, people always talk about like who's the superior athlete, like the NFL player, the NBA player, the MLB player, you know, and and kind of have their hierarchies. And so it's like it would be cool to kind of see them compete against each other in something other than those sports where the skills are the you know specific skills are kind of out the window like let's let's just see how they do i want to see him snowboard i want to see like you know i want to see i want to see him play kickball i want to see like wolf ball would be wolf ball would have been fun for stuff that will really embarrass people yeah yeah stuff that they might be really good at or somebody might be really bad at you ever see the Olympics? You know how they do the archery, where they take it all the way back and then they hold it, st- hold it straight out. Right. Yeah, we want to see. We want to see the Mannings. Just give us the Olympics. Archery. Just yeah. do the Olympics, the uh, NFL Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see them do curling. Can you imagine? Yeah. You uh, imagine like you got Kelsey and Derek Brown. On one side, and the other teams got. I'm trying to think. What is this? AFC Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in a heated game. A hundred percent. Like I said, I have I no idea what they're doing, but they're trying very hard. I think it's the same. I want to see those guys on skates. I want to see them speed skating. Right. I want to see them figure skate. I want to see them ice dance. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, I think it all comes back to suddenly when these guys are making. 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year, you don't get to see that anymore. <laughs> no, and with the NBA, you don't even get to see the top stars do the dunk contest. So, because they might get hurt, I guess. Yeah, load management, right? It's, I mean, you don't even get B list all stars. It's like guys that are hardly on rosters. I know, right? I mean, who was that kid a couple of years ago? Mac, Mac McClung is who you're thinking of. Who was it? Mac McClung. Yeah, Mac McClung, right? He's yeah. the best thing that happened to that that competition in a decade, I think, right? And he wasn't he wasn't on a roster before or after that. So they basically took this guy off the streets pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> to do and then he was the nba dunk, he was the nba's best dunker and he wasn't even a real nba player and again i think we got to go all the way back and say well where did these things come from right Th- these all-star events the major league baseball all-star event was something where suddenly you got to see these guys that didn't play against each other and they were all center stage right so it was something truly special and that game had now, weight yeah right? yeah and, and now these things are just the fans voted Right. And now these things have all evolved to I don't even know what how would you even characterize what these things are? They're they're novelties. They're novelty. It's like watching the Paul Brothers box. Okay. You know, it's it's like a not serious sporting event that we all watch just mm-hmm. because it's happening. And, and they persist <laughs> because it's like people have this idea that there's hope. That it's like it, it's something with some equity, and so we got to figure out a way to use this and actually produce something to produce viral moments, perhaps. Here's a question: Why do we have these for pro leagues and not for college leagues? I imagine that might change with NIL because uh, there's opportunity to yeah. build. I don't think I showed this, sent you this video. Doug and I send each other videos and clips we see. That's how we communicate. Yeah, I'm sure you saw it, but yeah, we don't talk. We just text. (laughs) (laughs) That Travis Hunter. Did you see the ring Travis Hunter Uh -uh. purchased for the fiance? I'm pulling this up. Travis Hunter's got a fiance. 
Yeah, diamond after diamond. I mean, as far as I could tell, the 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 band is basically built out of diamonds. And so, I mean, when you when you're talking about an all star event at the college level, it just made me think of we we have no idea how much money there is in college sports, but it seems astonishing how much money there is in college sports. All right, so I'm I'm trying to f- see how much this ring is worth. <laughs> They're saying it was at least ten thousand dollars. Which, granted, that's like every wedding ring. Yeah, that that's- it seemed too gaudy to me. I've never seen anything like that with like the diamonds built along the band. I hope the answer comes out. I mean, without looking into it, I had just assumed that it was something that's going to be like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand. Like he spent every nil dollar he's made on, <laughs> on an engagement ring, or he or he's made you know fifteen million dollars in nil money, and he's oh, isn't isn't up. Travis Hunter like nineteen years old? <laughs> <laughs> I don't this is just kind of crazy. Right? Well, he's two years out, right? Or is it is it three? Two? Yeah, I guess this will be his third season because okay. he had that one year at, in the other school, not Colorado. Forget Jackson State. I think so. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I don't know. Um, Doug, you, you got anything else for this? I just want to say cultural moment this week at the Grammys. I just I thought you would find find this funny, Mike, since you didn't get to watch. And didn't, didn't get, get to, like, I mean, didn't, didn't want get to. to. Didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't forced to watch. No one held a gun to your head and made you watch it. The Dr. Dre Global Impact Award was the best part of the Grammys to me because you've got an award named after a founding member of NWA who has a multiple, multiple arrest history, including some violence with women, as well as a DUI and a high speed chase and in in involving a ferrari they've got an award named after this guy for global <laughs> impact don't know how that happened so it goes to jay-z of course the former crack dealer who's who's made a big impact and he goes up and to accept the speech he decides it's a good opportunity to call out the grammy voters and so he points out that the grammy voters have people on the ballot who don't even belong in their category as he accepts the global impact award. And I found it incredibly ironic and hilarious. And I don't think anyone else noticed or like blinked. It was, it was like everyone took it very seriously. And he, he did rant for a little while. I saw a tweet where someone said that I can see how he and Kanye got to be buddies over the years, but he pretty much insinuated that Beyonce who's won 30 Grammys that the committee has some bias toward her. She's never won album of the year against her. Okay. Right. Yeah. In some ways I weep for the culture (laughs) because like, as you're telling me that story, I feel like the culture is forcing me to, it it, it almost makes me feel like I'm a middle-aged suburban guy, which I mean, fair enough. Right. But who. Trip <laughs> makes out. you feel like that. Makes, but but that makes a trip out to you know Home Depot every week and talks to the guy about the best fertilizer and uh, lawnmower maintenance, right? I mean, the the, the it's moved in. Uh, but so the larger point is right. It, oh, out of touch, right? The Grammys seem to me that they've made ninety. Five percent of the population, or at least ninety-five percent of the population above the age of thirty, out of touch, <laughs> right? And, and you know Taylor Swift kind of brings them back, but you take Taylor Swift out of 
out of out of the mix from everything you've described, they are not doing a program for mainstream America. And so if, if they end up having a viewership of eight million people in, in years where Taylor Swift isn't isn't winning everything, it's it's kind of well deserved. Yeah. Yeah. I it felt like a an SNL sketch from a couple years back, maybe, but it was something that people weren't taking seriously at that point. And hey, I got nothing against those artists. I listen to their music and I enjoy it. I, I simply found the award and the name of the award and then the the platform that the recipient took or, or how he leveraged his platform as a kind of funny, humorous series of events. And I'll that- say this. I have nothing against those artists either. I mean, God love them. I'm just saying I am clearly not in the target audience. And if I'm not in the target, you know, when people do content, leaving out, you know, a big chunk of the population of their target audience, then you, you know, you're sort of self marginalizing yourself. And I don't, I don't mean that in the social justice sense. I mean that you are limiting your audience to pretty much a niche in the marketplace. So I'm curious, Mike, who do you think, for these types of things, because clearly it's it's very divided, and clearly sure. they're not targeting things for you. Who do you think is the target audience? To, to me, it almost seems like it's the like when we talk about cancel culture, like the people that cancel people. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what who things are kind of catered toward. I don't. I, I say that with no judgment. Those people seem to be really engaged with society and and with what's going on at, at award shows and what's charting in music or what's, you know, the blockbuster hits for in cinema. I mean, who, who are, who are events like the Grammys catered toward other than the people making the event? I don't, you know, I think that's like too big of a, too big of a question, but it's, it's a fascinating one in that. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of abandonment of, sort of the mainstream audience to focus on smaller and, and smaller segments. I, I agree. Look, I mean, you started at the beginning and saying, well, Taylor Swift's audience is not particularly diverse, but Taylor Swift has put herself out there as I think something for the mainstream and the mainstream has truly responded. Right. So I, but I, and I, I do think it's a little, it's probably more complicated than just saying, well, this is what the market wants. I think a lot of people are, they're reacting both to what the market wants and both to what the insider or sort of the dominant culture within the music industry want. And I think it just, it puts everything on a trajectory to getting smaller and smaller. Now, can we talk about one last video though on a positive note? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't even know this guy's name you sent me it and i actually had seen it myself too indiana state has a basketball player that i think almost gave people the echoes of larry bird simply because he seemed a little bit dorky i watched that video three or four times right this like rec basket rec league basketball where the guy just knows how to move his body (laughs) and putting up three a a six foot two Nikola Jokic. yeah made me happy (laughs) so don't you get the feeling that it, I have, I know nothing about this team. Don't you get the feeling if this guy's team ends up in, and I don't even know if he's D1, if he's playing D1 basketball. That's where Larry Bird went, right? So it's D1. Okay. So if he ends up in the NCAA tournament, inevitably his team will go on a run, right? Because I, I said it last year, like I've almost gotten where 
I just look at pictures of the guys on every roster when I'm trying to pit my Cinderella's, and there's always like some team with some like white guy with a kind of weird mustache. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and it's like if you got a white guy with a weird mustache, you know, either with the handlebars or something strange about it, your team's gonna have a shot, and that uh, he's gonna capture Americans' hearts. And this guy seems to have that magic. Not to mention he apparently is quite the ball player, and so I. Uh, Certainly a player I'm keeping my eye on going into March Madness. We talk about how there's not a lot of stars in college basketball. I think this is what college basketball needs. I think we need that YMCA baller. Guys that can play like slowly. I mean, to me, that's the beauty of it, right? When he's playing slowly, but he's just so efficient. Well, that's kind of, I mean, of course, different scale, but the NBA versions, Luka Doncic, where it looks like he's moving a half step or a full step slower than everyone else on the court. But he's ahead of everyone. <laughs> and he's making them look silly. They're fouling him. They're, they're, he's creating space somehow through his slowness. It's a beautiful thing. And if and when I have a child that wants to play basketball, they're going to be watching Luka Doncic, Larry Bird. We're not watching any Vince Carter. We're not watching any Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. Love those guys. Those are my favorite players. If I could be them, I would be. But if you want to have a shot, kid, learn to do what these guys are doing. This slow motion basketball magic. Yeah. Doug has a whole videotape library of Doncic, Jokic, this kid from Indiana State, and he only dates Division One volleyball players. He's, <laughs> he's voting. <laughs> okay. well, we'll wrap it there. As always, online home is fandomanalytics.com. Thank you.